This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer at Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hey, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a General Surgeon and Chief Medical Officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital DeSoto and Chief Quality Officer for the Baptist System. We are so excited today that we have Dr. Morgan Jones uh, visiting us today on the podcast, and he is going to talk about his new book, Transform Behaviors, Transform Results. Dr. Morgan Jones, thank you so much for uh, for uh, joining us, and can you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then go on to tell us a little bit about the book. Okay, thank you for inviting me, um, and call me Morgan. Um, so, Absolutely. You know, uh, look, my background, I started off in the Navy as a Navy officer, uh, as a marine engineer solving problems in the middle of the ocean uh, and worked in many, it came ashore, worked in different industries, spent 10 years working for Caterpillar and in, um, uh, in Peoria as well as the UK, Tra- worked in different countries around the world and I'm currently working for a mining company. Um, I happen to be a, a Shingo examiner. Um, I've written quite a few books, etc. So, um, and yeah, I'll talk to you about about my my latest book. Um, and and yeah, it's interesting yeah. where it came from because, as an engineer, I like to solve problems, and I see people follow the rules, and yet they get different outcomes. And I'm going, how does that work? You know, but they follow the procedure, and some people are really really engaged. So you you can see a nurse that does. You know, two nurses follow the procedure. One, one, one patient has a wonderful experience. The other one just has a mediocre. And you go, why? So I, I got to, you know, as a, as a problem solver, I went, why does that work? And in industry, we have strategies and some departments. And, and this, it, I came across the Shingo model many, many years ago. So I studied it at the university when I did my master's degree. And the book all come, came, came about because, um, I wrote Why Bother with Chris Butterworth. It's a really good book about assessing behaviors. And then we start having the conversations with people about, well, you said, what, what does a behavior look like at different levels? So what would that look like at, you know, at Harvey level? What would that look like at a, you know, a, a nurse manager? What would that look like at, at a nurse or a cleaner? Because it's going to look slightly different. But ah, so I started game. I came up with behavioral frameworks just to make it easier. And instead of just picking continuous improvement, I picked quite a few different ways of looking at it. So you can look at customer experience or patient experience. You can look at safety. You can look at risk. You can look at continuous improvement. You can look at agile using these frameworks. So you see different perspectives. So then you go, okay, what? how do we want to use this? So when you're looking at developing your assessment system, what does that look like at different levels in the organization? What would you see people say and do and not do and, and not say? So that's that's where in the, the book, um, just a key plug for it, is all the proceeds of the book go to a mental health charity in Australia called the Black Dog Institute, which is um, doing research into reducing um, suicides. So, well, Morgan... Once again, thank you very much for being from being here. You're in you're in Brisbane, Australia, and it it just always kind of blows my mind that you know it's 3 p.m. here, it's 7 a.m. there, 16 hours apart, but yet we're able to sit here 
and and speak face to face via Teams, just like we were sitting in in a Starbucks, as as Skip likes to talk about. But let, want to back up a little bit and and kind of want to get your thoughts on how we we got to this point. It used to be where we just I say we way before my time is you know in manufacturing or whatever sector industry you know you you told the people what to do and you expected them to do it period and 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 the behaviors and the the culture had nothing to do with it and but you know the shingo institute you know we 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 subscribe to their um their philosophy and you know they say that uh, ideal principle based behaviors drive excellent results and and you know when did we figure that out i mean you know how did we figure that out well that's interesting i think it's been it's been figured out centuries ago so some of the the great armies of the world the great leaders figured out it's not just what you want people to do it's how they do it and how they feel so this behavior piece has been around a long time. It's only of recently in management and uh, organizations that we figured out it's not just what you do, it's how you do it. And as human beings, we also like to understand the why. It's not only what you do, how you do it, but the why. If you get that, you'll not only will you do, get people to follow what you want and do the thing consistently, but they all find ways of improving that, what they do. So I suppose sure. that's where we've come to because we've become more competitive. So, so and, and Morgan, you, let me. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Mason. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Skip. So, so I'm ready to ready to kind of geek out and get into this. So, <laughs> you know, we uh, we were very blessed uh, for several years to have the influence of Dr. Edgar Schein, and he recently uh, passed away. But uh, you know, and he had some different models that he would use. One was the Lily Pond model. And behaviors, when I think of behaviors, I think of an artifact. I think of of uh, something I can physically see. I can see people manifesting behaviors. And if I go deeper into that little lily pond metaphor, I, I can see beliefs and values that are contributing to that behavior, uh, which are the behaviors are going to obviously uh, – contribute to the results. How do I get deep into those belief systems? Because the behaviors are still, in my mind, an artifact that's, that, that, I, that I'm, I'm seeing being manifested. But if I really want to impact those behaviors, don't I need to go after their belief system and their what they value? Am I thinking about that correctly? Yes, absolutely. Because you know, the behaviors is what manifests in the real world. The values and beliefs are what happens between our ears. Um, so the first place to start is values. Because, you know, what do you truly value? And our values are set when we're very young. They're set by our family. They're set by our communities, our church and various uh, influences. Up to about seven, most of our core values are set. It's only if there's a major trauma or something happens in later in life do your value set change. So your values are really, really important, but quite often people don't realize what they are. 
So the first step is actually having a conversation and you get some people just say, I don't like working for this organization. And what usually happens is you have an organizational set of values and then you have your personal and there's a disconnect. So you, well, people are going, oh, I don't like it around mm-hmm. here. It's changed. It's usually because they feel the values are different. So we, we espouse these are the corporate or charter values of an organization, but we don't live with them. And you're going, well, but I joined because they resonate with me as a human being. So, yes, the first step is always to go start with the values and get people to start thinking. Because we don't have, it's not millions of them. It's only about four or five, maybe six. What's really important to you? Um, because they, they're they ingrained in our subconscious part of our mind, brain. So quite a lot of our decisions are made through our belief system. Mm. Mm. But the important piece is to look at people's behaviours not through our belief system. Because we assume, oh, you did this, therefore you were thinking or you believe this. Well, not necessarily true. So we make the assumption we understand why people do things. Hence why you've got to step back and, you know, diagnose and go, well, what what, what did you consider when you made that decision? So one of my, my I've set a favourite questions. And that, for me, instead of why did you do that, uh, Dr. Mason, you'd actually step back and go, what did you consider when you made that decision? Mm. And then I started to get an insight into the value set. Or I, I thought, what else could you consider? Because you might talk about safety, you might talk about, you know, um, prudence or whatever it may be important pieces uh, as a value set. Okay. So that's the, the yeah, that, that, um, the pond and the ripples when you drop, drop the stone in is really important. So you see a little ripple, we don't actually see, and a lot of people don't actually understand what's happened underneath. There are a couple of other tools like a, a Jahari window is a hugely powerful tool I love because people, the intent of what people do is, you know, that they, they come from the right place. But the way they do it sometimes has an impact, the exact opposite. So sometimes getting them to say, you know, rather than say, oh, you were mean, they go, no, I was just rushed. I just want to give the clear facts and move on. But how was it interpreted by the patient was you were rude. Oh, oh! I didn't mean that. I just I was in a rush. I had I had surgery coming up. I needed to get that, but I needed to make sure they got the information. So sometimes that impact against intent. So always start with the beliefs, and then get and you have to take your own set of biases or beliefs of why people do what they do. Does that mm. answer your question? It does. It really does. And you know, it makes me think about. The principles in the Shingo Institute, you know, the the ones that you hear quoted quite often, especially in the lean community, is respect for every individual or lead with humility. And and what I'm what I'm hearing you say is that sometimes the conversation around these, you know, uh, principles that have been with us for a long time that we've discovered, you know, then has an influence on the belief system. And then hopefully the belief system brings about certain behaviors that bring about these world class results. Did I connect that correctly? Yeah. And in in the, in the book, I talk about uh, beliefs. Well, Shingo called them truths, the underlying truths for each of the 10 principles. I call them for me, it's more belief, you know. So, you know, when you talk about respect every individual, it's easy. Toyota say respect people. That's easy. Because you can respect generic people, and there's a few you go, oh, I don't like those. But respecting every individual <clears throat> is hard. 
However, yeah. you know, you might have seen the video in, in Discover Excellence where I talk about Sour Bono. And it's it's about because the, the fundamental belief of respect every individual is you believe that person is capable of doing more than they are today. So that, you know, it's that that belief is really important. So in I came from, so I've talked about us from Zambia. Uh, we had a lot of interactions with the Zulu nation and they have a greeting called Sawabono, which means I see you, literal language. But what the meaning is, I see all of you, Skip. I see your past. I see who you are now, but I see your potential of what you can become. Hmm. So if you go with that mindset and saying, look, you know, this person's not performing or whatever, but what could they, they have so much potential. How can we leverage that? That respect and you look at the that value it's a value set you know you rather than looking for the wrong you look for the positive so yeah making that link to the beliefs and that's why i, lo- I like the, the the underlying truths of beliefs from the in the shingo models you get you think does it you know intellectually respect every individual sounds you know harvard business school sounds logical yeah tick in the box but why is it important how do i make it come to life and that's it's turning it from an intellectual thing on the left side of the brain to the right side and make the treatment easy. So that's where the belief comes in. You, Morgan, you talk about um, how some organizations, let's say they're wanting to undergo a cultural transformation and they mm-hmm. they they pick pick something off the shelf, you know, a methodology, and they try to apply that methodology to to their organization rather than and you talk about how it's important to focus on the individual behaviors themselves and not a typical not a particular methodology talk talk to us about that a little bit yeah and uh, because you can follow a methodology it's just a procedure do this do this do this and that's what so you can get some gains you know if you've done the lean six sigma you can actually get some benefits by making your processes more efficient, removing waste, you'll get. But it's just transactional. So, you know, how do you build the capability and inspire people to want to improve? And and that piece, they're going, well, how do you bring your operating system to life? Otherwise, it's, it's a mechanistic system. You know, it's like, oh, I'm driving a car. Or you watch somebody, two people can play a piano and they can have the same music and they can one can bring it to life and another one, it just plays what the rules. And you go, how can they do that? They're following the same. And that's the thing you say, but they've got great results following that operating system. We've taken it off the shelf where it's one of the big, big full, you know, um, consulting houses give you here's our system. It works everywhere. Be awesome. Yeah, if you look at their value set, their value set is about trying to get as much revenue from you. Sure. Rather than it's about building the capability. I want you to be able to inspire your frontline, you know, every nurse to give the best experience and, you know, and show respect to every um, patient, you know, and family member. When they come in, even they're stressed and tired, you want them to feel like that, that because it's about how it's the experience. You may get great surgery. But what people remember is how you were treated in your facility. So that's exactly. where that behaviors piece comes in. Exactly. And, you know, you. 
these behaviors, how, how do organizations, how do they how do they measure success? You know, in, in regards to uh, in terms of those behaviors. Well, that's a really interesting one, because, you know, um, KPIs, we know key performance indicators drive behaviors. So you incentivize people to do something and say, if you get so many sales or so many, then you get a, a reward, you get a bonus. So KPIs are important. However, the, the behaviors piece of, and from the Shingo model, ideal results require ideal behaviors. That means not perfect, it means they continue to improve. And the, the, the important part of that statement is you have to define what's your core set of behaviors that you want everybody doing every single day, everywhere across, you know, you want them to do that all the time so that you can deliver these results consistently. And, and you know, there's, there's, a, there's a stability in there because um, that's the, the important piece. So, um, for me, it's, it's just moving along that journey and go, well, OK, if they, they define, but then they have thing called KP, the KBIs, Key Behavioural Indicators. And that's a measure of how you deliver the KPIs. Sometimes people say, oh, you're introducing another term. Some organisations have process metrics. OK, but provided the process metric is leading, and it's behavioral based, fine, just keep the language. But quite often, if you use the language of key behavioral indicators to, oh, that's something different, we need to think. So it's not it's how you deliver the, the result. Uh, and one of the examples, so I work in, in a heavy industry and we have safety. Safety is huge in mining. And one of the important pieces there is, well, we have a system where we record how many safety interactions we have in a week or a month how often do you talk to the front line and that's a metric and that's a kpi how many times have i talked to somebody but the important piece is what's the quality of the conversation and did i get somebody and the purpose of that interaction was to get people to think about safety you know it was there really any risks that you could hurt you or hurt the environment while you're doing have you considered everything and so the metric of KBI was how many times did that person stop, go and address a potential risk, whether it's picking, you know, cleaning up a spill so they don't slip or moving a trip hazard. Something simple as that. It's as how you get people to keep thinking. So you're thinking about the purpose of business interaction. So that's so that's how we do that. And in the book, I also talk of another metric which is called a key activity indicator. Because in some industries, especially manufacturing and mining, and where they're heavily unionized, if you, say, if you tell people you're gonna, you're gonna assess their behaviors, the unions and frontline will go, no, thank you. They might use different language, but they'll say, no, thank you. <laughs> However, if you say, actually, what we're gonna do is, we're gonna measure the activity. So a number of ideas generated and solved. That comes to the behaviors, but you make it in a way that's less threatening for that, that team. So at the top level, the KPIs, which are outcomes or outputs, KPIs of how you're delivering it. And then KAI is activities you want people doing every day or every week. It, it sounds like, you know, it feels like, you know, Morgan, that 
this is needed for us to think about this more today than ever. Um, you know, one of the things we like to talk a lot about in healthcare is that we believe that we're in the most complex socio-technical system on planet Earth. Uh, that being said, most of our management models still come from an industrial mindset. They, they come from this mindset of like a machine. You know, when a, when a part breaks down in a machine, we, we replace it, right? But until we have uh, AI and uh, robots doing everything, we still have to deal with people. And we have to deal with humans. And humans are messy and they're complex. And it just feels like in this world that we live in today, in 2023, of the great resignation and the quiet quitting, that this conversation is so important, you know, around what kind of behaviors do we want to have? And what are some of the principles that we want to think about to influence those behaviors? And how might we be able to um, have indicators uh, maybe we don't use the word assess, depending on the world, but how do we even see if these behaviors are consistent, if they're in place, and they're bringing the results that we um, that we hope for? Do you think that, would you agree with that, or do you think that's an overstatement, or what's your thoughts on that? You no, know, I, I think the important piece is that it, things are getting more and more complicated. We're getting more and more information, more regulation, actually making it simpler. You know, for engineers, engineers never read instructions until they, go, they can't fix it and they go and follow. Right, but right. We don't have instructions for the human. And, you know, it's like you don't have instructions to be a parent. You learn. And part of that, and, and this is the important piece, is, is, is if simpler, we, simpler, not make it totally simple, but simplicity actually reduces risks and actually engages people and go, oh, make it simple. You know, so why do you exist? You know, you know, the auto leave example, you know, the seatbelt and, and um, airbag manufacturer, we save lives. That inspires people to focus on quality control. So it's perfect when it goes out because they want that, that product when the car has an accident to save the person. So you can use it's actually treating us as a whole human rather than logical, just follow the rules. And that's what we used to do in the industrial revolution. We you no, know, just get consistency, everybody doing the same thing and follow the procedure. Well, guess what? The next level, because we, our world is more complicated and more complex, especially in the medical world, um, you have to, um, you, you're always managing risk. So how do you do that? Is The easiest way is actually to simplify stuff. And yeah. that's probably, so the behaviors piece. And it was interesting because you, you earlier on talked about not only the, the other prin foundation principle, the, the Shingo model, is legal humility and I did this a piece of work with a medical uh, department government department in New Zealand and I tried to get them to do gembas and they didn't want to do it and after a little bit they're going um, because the belief system is if we go there they're going to ask us lots of questions we can't answer <laughs> and they want us to give us more budget <laughs> so then you know, going how do you get that got to this belief and going let's just change that Let's just go there to learn and understand. And they may ask you questions that you don't understand. So leading with humility is it's OK not to know every single answer to every single thing. 
Okay, that's a good question. Let me think about it. What could we do? And engage them. So it was really interesting. So when we took them to these various regional hospitals, they came back so excited what they learned and how fantastic their people were because they had this perception from the ivory tower office. And you're going, ah, so they, they set up a monthly, let's go and learn. We want to go, you know, they got inspired by their front line, which is exciting. You know, and seeing customers going out and asking how they felt when they when when a patient left, you know, what was their experience and, and things like that, you know. That's great. Um, go ahead, Skip. Well, I, I just sorry, Jeff, I was sitting there thinking wow. about, you know, how so much has changed, you know, through the years that and I was even thinking about taking my my beautiful wife out on uh, dinner and I was contrasting in my mind the different restaurants. I don't know that the food was better at one restaurant versus another. I think the food was probably equal. But what was radically different in these restaurants was the experience. What was radically different was how they greeted us, how they uh, explained the menu, and how they responded to us. And that, those are really some of the behaviors you're talking about, yeah. isn't it, Morgan? Yeah, absolutely. It's that, you know, that it's, it's how you, they made you feel. That's the important thing. And as engineers and things, feelings we don't like, you know, they're, they're unmeasurable. But actually, that comes to your value sets and everything. How do you want, so having your, going out for the meal, how you, you, you and your wife felt, you felt special. They made you feel special. And it, whether it was just a, a, a simple meal or might be they make you feel like this is a great occasion for you spending time together and that's the you'll remember that it is and that's where you go i can go and see a couple of gps and they give me the same you know, general practitioner they give me the same diagnosis but one will make me feel like oh i'm okay I'm, i can do this and others make you feel like an idiot because you haven't done this and you put you put too much weight on you know and you suddenly you suddenly go it's that experience piece. So when we talked earlier about the, you know, early on, it's just following the procedure of what to do, but it's, it's the how you make people feel. Sure. And, you know, that's so important. And Skip, you know, that that's a good transition into into something I wanted to talk about. And, and you know, you, you and your wife, you guys were the customers. And, and Morgan, you talk about... You know, we have our external customers and we have our internal customers. And, you know, as a surgeon, you know, for, for a long time, it was just, OK, my my one customer is that patient. And, you know, my job is to give that patient a good, successful operation. Who cares if I show up to the operating room 15 minutes late? Who cares if I don't dictate my operative note or my discharge summary until a few days afterwards. And we don't, a lot of times we don't realize that we have internal customers within our organization and those people are depending on you to, uh, to help them do their job. Um, just want to get your thoughts on that it is, is, you know, sometimes I do think we fail at, at realizing that we do have internal customers and, you know, our job is to serve those internal customers just as just as much as we serve our, our external customers. Yeah, and I think as a leadership team, when I talk to leadership teams, I ask them, who's your primary customer? 
and they you know they'll talk the external person who put actually any senior leadership team their customer is their front line their job is to inspire because they're the, the front lines the nurses and the, you know and the interns actually give the experience because a patient doesn't see you in, in the in the theater because they're usually knocked out uh, but the staff in that theater you know when you walk in they go great here comes dr mason this is going to be a great operate and they feel you make them feel professional and truly valued or okay we're going to be we're told we've done it wrong again or if, you know <laughs> is this just it, it's how they feel because they, that, that's what gels as a team you know so you can have a wonderful quarterback but if you haven't got you know they don't actually want to operate the team and you know and want to throw the ball to the right people you're not going to win as a team so that is and, and it, yeah that, and i mean it, it actually can lead to to errors because you know if if you show up if i show up to the operating room 30 minutes late i mean the 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 or staff is irritable you know they're oh we're going to be here 30 minutes later on in the afternoon and it, and it just sets it sets things in motion that could lead to uh, significant errors. And, and I, I think that, you know, we have to think about our internal customers and the people that we serve for sure. Well, Morgan, uh, this was great. I can't believe that 30 minutes has already went by. This was fantastic. Wow. Morgan, I know you've got your new book, Transform Behaviors, Transform Results. Uh, I'm guessing that people can pick that up on Amazon or wherever they pick up. Uh, their yep. books uh, from. If people want to know more about you and connect with you, Morgan, how would they go about doing that? You can just look me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> Fantastic. Look you up on LinkedIn. Well, I think this is a very much needed book. Uh, there's rarely a day that I don't go somewhere. And I think, oh, man, the behaviors in this individual I'm having to work with, you know, whether I'm buying something, you know, really are those the right behaviors that we want to actually put out there on the marketplace and so i think that this is really really important uh, work that you're doing it connects to our belief system with the shingo institute and uh, just thank you so much morgan for writing this book and uh, we are just so incredibly appreciative of you and so on behalf of baptist memorial healthcare uh, thank you so much for joining us today thank you for inviting me thank you morgan